Hey, folks, if you've been listening to our show, you've probably heard Victor talk about Hillsdale College. It's one of the few colleges in the U.S. still interested in teaching truth. What you probably didn't know is that they have over 40 free online courses. And Victor is one of the professors in three of those courses, American Citizenship and its Decline, based on Victor's book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism, and Globalization Are Destroying the Idea of America, The Second World Wars, based on his book by the same name, and Athens and Sparta, partly based on his book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. Don't you wish Victor would have been one of your professors in college? Well, now you can join him as he covers some of the main ideas of his books with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. The courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they are self-spaced, so you can take them whenever and wherever. I think I'm going to start with American Citizenship and Its Decline, where Victor explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. Hey, start your free course with Victor Davis Hansen today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. hillsdale.edu slash vdh. Hello and welcome to the Victor Davis Hansen Show. This is the Friday News Roundup and we are going to talk a little bit about domestic politics today, maybe have a look at Joe Biden's cabinet. But first, we're going to listen to a few messages. Have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower, lower, your risk of cancer. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful, it promises at your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR, at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, They've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. Welcome back, um, Victor. As I always ask, what's on your mind today? Well, I've got my hands around this little COVID bastard, it's usually thing, and I'm squeezing in. And as I go in day, today, 20 today, 
accounting. I have got back 50% of my energy and I haven't been coughing and I'm headed to Israel oh, in yes. 24 hours and I'm going to defeat this little guy, this bad guy, this engineered virus and I'm, when I'm in Israel and come back perfectly healthy. How's that? Yeah, I think that that's probably just about right and you probably will be healthy in the next few days. Um, when this podcast plays, it will um, be, you will be in Israel at the time. So um, let's talk a little bit about the midterm elections and what I noticed this, these in all the elections and the runoffs that they were having this last week, that the Democrats were celebrating some of their Pennsylvania winners, uh, Summer Lee, who was Sanders endorsed, and John Fetterman, who is a Sanders supporter himself. And I thought that was unusually odd. And I was reading in Politico, they were celebrating this as a remaking of the Democratic Party to a more left, to more left leaning policies. And I was wondering about your thoughts about the midterm or this democratic trend. It seems like it's a victory, as one newspaper put it, for the squad uh, with Summer Lee. So very uh, I don't think so. Yeah. The key thing to look at is when a majority party has fewer who turn out on Election Day than the minority party and the Democrats had far fewer participants in the primary, then they're in bad trouble. And Fetterman had a stroke. I mean, he was talking, I mean, he was, uh, his communicators about his victory came from ho the hospital. So there was, it was a mixed bag. And we don't really know as I'm speaking, if Mr. Oz is one or not, but uh, you get both views. What people are trying to do right now is to say that Trump, the main story is that is Trump endorsement of little or no value, a lot of value, or the kind of split the difference, some value. It depends on, I suppose, uh, the candidate. We forget a lot about things. When we say about endorsements, I mean, if you endorse a bad candidate, I don't mean ideologically, but I mean, just somebody who's not charismatic yeah. or doesn't speak well, then you're not going to do well. And so you don't get 10 to zero, but if you're, you know, 60, 40, and Trump is, that's pretty good, but his endorsements, you know, um, his endorsements on an ironclad guarantee. And, and what were he, I guess what I'm saying is with this primary, we're getting close now to a constant drumbeat. Is Trump going to win? Is he going to run? Is he, his candidate's going to win? Is he going to run? Is he going to announce after the midterm, most likely? Can you have Trumpism without Trump? And that's going to be that's going to be very interesting to see how Trump uh, treats that. I think you could make the argument that eighty percent support his agenda, but maybe sixty oh I don't know fifty five forty five want him to run again. If that means somebody like DeSantis, who has executive experience and has been really sharpening his spurs the last, you know, two months, taking on Disney and taking on critical race theory, taking on the transgendered uh, extremists. So what, what DeSantis is trying to do is saying, you know what, you can get the Trump agenda with me. You can get the ferocious counterattacks on the left with me, but you won't get, you know, these tweets about Stormy Daniels or something like that. And we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. But I don't I think the Democrats know what's coming. They've accepted it. It's going to be a huge shock. They're going to try to do anything they can. Roe versus Wade, January 6th, um, Putin's price hikes, uh, the Buffalo shootings, racism, racism, racism. But, it, you know, it's, it's, I keep using that image of a locomotive and they're tied to the tracks. And I just don't think that they're going to get out of it. They're not going to, they're not going to moderate. They're not going to negotiate. They're just going to go stay there on those tracks and say, look, look. Yeah, well, the results that I just talked about in Pennsylvania would suggest that you're correct in that, that they're just going to keep leaning, not just leaning left, but falling over left practically. So that doesn't seem like it pleases half of the members of their own party 
So I, I think they are just going to trip over themselves and lose in the November elections. Yeah, I mean, everybody says, well, you know, Trump endorsed Madison um, Cawthorn and he, he lost. He barely lost. I mean, he was a flawed candidate. Believe me, it was almost every single day a new photo emerged with his I don't know what the word would be, sort of homoerotic or pederastic or I don't know, yeah. uh, themes that were. And then he made all sorts of astounding, crazy statements and Trump st stuck with him, but he had to. But it raises another interesting question is how does Trump endorse these candidates? Because some of them are pretty much ideologically aligned and you wonder who are their handlers and what is their influence with Trump's handlers. And I hope that, you know, that, that these candidates are not bidding for contracts with outside camp campaign consultants who then promise them that they're going to get Trump's endorsement because, you know, you, enough said, but you can see what that happens. When, when I see one of these talking heads say, well, you know, I'm going to I Trump is going to do this and Trump is going to do that as if they they are negotiating between Trump and the candidates and they're very highly paid. It's uh, it, it's not good. And that's politics. But I but I, I guess what I'm trying to say is in the, in the last analysis, we have one issue, and that is everybody accepts that Trump's program other than spending too much money was far superior to the antithesis. The antithesis is, is even going to get worse. So then the question is, who is going to, to direct that, that agenda? Is it somebody who created it, Donald Trump? Or is it someone who watched Donald Trump, emulated Donald Trump, and feels that his strengths are commiserate with Donald Trump's, but he doesn't have the, the downsides? And then left unsaid or left unspoken is 90% of Republicans whatever they feel about the nominee, they will vote for Donald Trump if he's a nominee. Yeah, that's true. It's hard to predict, though, what he's actually going to do. because He's, he's going to be 79 years old. old. And yeah, I was going to say. I, I mean, when a person's, I'm, I'm 68, and, you know, after three weeks of COVID, and I think, would I want to do what, I mean, I almost had sympathy for Joe Biden today, flying around, and God, I thought, wow. I couldn't figure out today. I watched a clip and he he's 70, was he 79? And he was walking down the steps, right? And there was nobody around him. And he had a mask on. Mm, and then he yeah. came down to meet all these people and he he took his mask off. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, wow, this is so weird. Is it a photo op mask or what? He's trying to get COVID. <laughs> Maybe, and just and destroy his lungs with all the fibers in a mask at the same know, time. <laughs> this COVID, we, I know people with hyper. I have a hyper allergic. I get you know I have histamine problems. I get hyper allergic, and they say people that are hyper immune then have a bad response to COVID. I've heard people that have a hypo immune, low immune response. They need shot after shot, booster to get immune. I don't and. You know, children are getting Omicron. Omicron is just said uh, to the whole pandemic, everything you guys said, Omicron virus stands on its back legs and says, everything you guys said about COVID is a lie. I can infect <laughs> children. I can make people sick very long. I can put more in the hospital than Delta. And I'm changing. So somewhere there's, somewhere there's a truth that I would very, I would like to live long enough to see some open inquiry to look at this virus and have a chart and say, look, this is its ability to mutate. This is its ability, the ability to be infectious compared to other viruses and see if it's normal. Yeah. It doesn't seem yeah. normal to me. All right, Victor, let's move let's, on. Let, then. Let's get away yeah. from medicine or we'll get into monkeypox. And I don't want to yeah. go. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the Durham investigation instead. So we have emails showing a cozy relationship between Michael Sussman and the FBI director, James Baker. And or actually, they were texts. I take that back. And then testimony that Hillary was informed on the taking of information to the FBI, um, to James Baker by Michael Sussman. So that was a, a revelation in the court just a couple of days ago. Um, what do you make of the Durham investigation at this point? 
Well, here's what he's exposed. And I think Devin Nunes uh, had more or less outlined it, but he didn't have access to these testimonies. Well, let's just walk what through what happened. Hillary Clinton in mid-early 2016 is, cannot stand Donald Trump. And she's terrified of him. And everybody's terrified of him. And then we had the email scandal. And Trump joked about, hey, maybe Russia can help us find it. She went ballistic. So she called her personal lawyer and her DNC lawyer, Mark Elias, and said, this guy is out beyond the pale. You've got to do something. So then he went to his former friend at Perkins Coe, Michael Sussman. And remember, these people are not minor players. Mark Elias is probably one of, probably the chief left-wing ballot voting, change the rules lawyer in the country. And Michael Sussman was a cyber expert lawyer and with vast prosecutor, prosecutorial experience. And they're working in the same law firm. And they said, you've got to do something. And someone mentions Fusion GPS. So they think, well, you know, there was that dossier that the, some of the right wing will just call up old Michael Steele. Uh, Christopher Steele, excuse me. So they get, there, there's two tracks then. One is Christopher Steele in the dossier, and it's fake. He hasn't been to Soviet Union in 13 years. I think Fiona Hill, remember her from the impeachment? The anglicized former British subject who was so prim and proper and professional. Well, she was the one that was the liaison between Dashenko and Christopher Steele. So then Dashenko just lies and makes up all these rumors, and then he hands them over with Mr. Dolan, this Hillary, former subordinate that's now in, the, in Russia himself. And they concoct all these crazy stories. And then Steele has the ability to put into a, what, a, a brew plant, like it's a fake, serious document, you know, capital letters, borders, all this crap. And at the same time, Sussman has another GP, Sussman via Clemson. And they have another line, another... Uh, wave of assault, and that is they contact apparently a, a number of techies who have a contract to examine some of the communications emanating out of Trump Tower. And Rodney Joff is pretty much a self-described expert, one of the best in his field. And remember that email that came out during the trial that he was bragging to people that if Hillary won, i.e. his vested interest is to see Hillary win, then he would be chief of cybersecurity. And he comes back and tells Sussman that there's this strange thing going on and there's pings going back. So there we are. So what does Sussman do? He contacts uh, Elias, apparently. We'll see. We, that's going to come out. But then he thinks... Nobody's going to believe me if I plant this story. I'm going to plant it, but we don't. We need some authenticity. So I'll call up my own old buddy. You know, James Baker claims he wasn't as friendly. Or how do you have my cell phone? Well, that, that's a, a ruse. So he calls him up and says, I'm not working for anybody. You know, James Baker says, I, he told me he wasn't working for anybody. You believe that? Come on. Michael no. Sussman calls up him on his cell phone and says, I'm not working. I'm a patriot. I just got this Joff, who everybody knows is a Clinton partisan, and he's just found some mysterious pings. So, and Durham is very professional. He doesn't editorialize. He just presents the evidence. And then Baker, I guess, calls Comey out. Comey, and then, you know, he has the FBI look at it, CIA look at it. Immediately, they start leaking. I think it was Slate. Jake Sullivan is the National Security Advisor of the United States. He was tweeting out that Donald Trump is communicating with the Russians. It was a total lie in a back channel. And Hillary Clinton was doing that. So that's what she concocted it all. She used a paywall. Uh, I said a firewall. So she, did, she didn't want to be connected with Mark Elias. So she said he's the DNC attorney. And he didn't want to be connected. So he said it's the Perkins Coey law firm with Sussman. And Sussman says, well, it's, it's Jeep Fusion GPS. And Fusion GPS says, well, you know, it's, it's the Steele dossier and Josh. That's how they work. 
And the yeah. bottom line is they destroyed uh, three years of the Trump administration and American life because Hillary Clinton concocted a total ruse. She gaslighted the nation. She made it out of whole cloth. She fed it to every media. They, ha- they ran with it. They ran with it from the day he entered office. When I would drive down the 99, you would see posters about uh, billboards with Devin Nunes, the puppet of the Russians. That was the narrative. 22 months, $40 million, dream team, hunter killer lawyers, all stars. They gushed over these people, the left did. And there was nothing. Do you nothing. think Donald Trump would have been harder on the Russians if those things hadn't been going on while he was in? Well, he was pretty hard on the Russians anyways. He yes, rearmed I was Poland. waiting for you to say that. Yeah. So what did Donald Trump do to the Russians? Did he have a hot mic like Barack Obama and say, tell Vladimir to get me some room and I'll be flexible on missile defense. And this is my last election. If you want to keep quiet and he kept quiet and Obama got reelected and Obama got rid of missile defense and the polls and the checks. And then when he fulfilled the bargain, he went into Eastern Ukraine and the Crimea. That's what Obama did. Oh, yeah. he also put a hold on javelin missiles. Yep. So Trump came in and what did he do? He said, no more reset. And he sold offensive weapons, which nobody seemed to care about. Mr. Vindman didn't care about it when he was the ringleader of impeachment. He delayed him a little bit because he had a crazy idea, Sammy. Donald Trump got it into his head that the entire Biden regime, and this is in the interregnum, i.e. he left the vice presidency and he was still, that's when he was most lucrative because he wasn't in office, but he was a private citizen, but he was winking and nodding he would be president someday. And that family, but they were doing it when he was vice president as well, but that family Donald Trump thought was crooked. I don't know where he got that idea, but he got impeached, <laughs> he got impeached for it. He got impeached for saying that it was. A, and Joe Biden had rang, son of a bitch. I fired that guy. Ha, ha, ha. I he was know. bragging about it. So that's what it did to the country. And yeah. Donald Trump raised sanctions. He killed 200 mercenaries, Russian. They called up the military, called them up. So we got a bunch of Russian militaries that are approaching this installation in Syria. And yeah. they're ready to attack us. He said, kill them. And they did. Yeah. And and with people in his national security team said, you know, there's an intermediate missile uh, treaty with Russia. They always break it. He said, get out of it. You're telling me that this Steele dossier and this bugging of the Trump Towers really didn't stop Donald Trump from doing the things he would do with the Russians anyway, right? So because he stayed as tough as he was. You know, when I wrote the case for Trump, I read 10 of those books. And it's just the same narrative. It's ghostwritten, but it's the same thing you don't insult the person you're going to crush. You brag on them. You say you get along with them. You talk with them. Everybody got mad at Trump. I like Putin. I can talk to Putin. And then he crushed him. He got out of the missile deal. He killed Russians. He upped sanctions. He poured oil. He crashed the Russian oil price. He made NATO spend $100 billion. I'm glad they did. They wouldn't have weapons right now to send to Ukraine. He upped us, our military budget, by $80 billion. He did all he could. He triangulated with the Chinese back and forth. He did all he could to weaken Putin. And Putin, don't believe me, what did Putin do from 2017 in January to 2020? So He didn't invade the Ukraine. He didn't invade invade, uh, Georgia, Alsatia. He didn't invade uh, the Donbass. He didn't invade Crimea. Yeah, he didn't. And what did he do right after? Trump led office. He tried to take decapitate Kiev. That's what he did. And so you can we can have all these, I don't know, pointy head, brilliant strategic thinkers, but the fact is that's the record. And yeah. so he was very hard on Putin. But he could have made a deal with Putin and kept Putin out of Ukraine had he had some flexibility, but he couldn't because anything that was interpreted as moderate. To a man who was, you know, overseeing seven thousand nuclear weapons, was considered proof that Trump, that Donald Trump was a colluder. 
So it really destroyed his ability to make foreign policy. It really did. And it yeah. consumed that administration for 22 months. And the moment it collapsed in the spring, an early summer, of, they went right into impeachment. And you look back at that first impeachment and the whole Mueller investigation, it was a damn joke. When you get Rob, good old Bob Mueller gets in front of a Senate Intelligence Committee, and he's put under oath, and they ask him what was the Steele dossier's role, and what was the Fusion GPS doing in this? I don't know. <laughs> we don't get in there. The two pillars of the investigation, and they bring James Comey in. Two that was under, you know, lock and key. That was secret testimony. But apparently, two hundred and forty-five times he said, "I don't know." Was it my purview? How should I know? And then you get Andrew McCabe in there. Three times he lied, or maybe was it four, to a federal investigator. No need to go into Brennan and, and, yeah. um, and Clapper. So these were pathological liars and dissimulators, and it really hurt the country. And Hillary Clinton, all roads lead to Hillary. All yeah. lead to Hillary. And so this is what Durham does not leak. He doesn't have late night phone calls with the press. He does not trust the press. He will fire anybody on that team that leaks. He goes after one individual and he finds a, finds a clear cut crime. Did you or did you not lie to a FBI official, Mr. Sussman, when you said you were not representing anybody? Well, it's my word against his. No, it's not. He took notes. Well, so did I. Well, he showed his notes to other people, and they confirmed right after that that that's what you said. Well, that's what he thought he said. Okay, then why did you bill the Clinton law firm if you weren't working for them? Well, I was doing a lot of stuff, but, you know, it's not. His only hope, the only hope to crush Durham right now, there's three things that can crush him. This Judge Cooper, who's an Obama partisan, or this thing goes to a jury and they're counting on a Washington DC jury to be partisan and jury nullification or Merrick Garland steps in and just stops it. Yeah. And that's not going to happen. Probably. We'll see. Or maybe, I mean, well, he may feel like he needs if, to save Hillary, I guess is what you're saying. Uh, if Merrick Garland stops Durham and the Republicans win the midterms and they will uh, they won't remove him but they will impeach Merrick Garland mm -hmm. I think yeah. they're going to impeach Mayorkas as well and he should yeah. I mean this is a guy that created the Ministry of Disinformation and then completely failed to take his oath of office seriously and he didn't enforce federal immigration law Victor hold on to that idea and let's go ahead and take a few messages or a moment for a few messages and then we'll come right back and talk about the Biden cabinet. We'll be right back. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer. Thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? For our listeners, Factor is giving you 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month when you use the promo code VICTOR50 at factormeals.com slash VICTOR50. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Remember, to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month, head to factormeals.com slash Victor50, that's V-I-C-T-O-R-5-0, and use the code Victor50, that's code Victor50, at factormeals.com slash Victor50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact 
and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. Welcome back. I wanted to remind everybody that Victor is the Martin and Neely Anderson Senior Fellow in Classics and Military History at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. He has a website, victorhanson.com, and he does a lot of exclusive material on that website, VDH Ultra material and articles, some 2,400 to 3,000 words a week. So it's a great deal to subscribe to at victorhanson.com, the Blade of Perseus. Victor, you started right in on my next subject, and that was Biden's cabinet. And I thought maybe we'd do a little roundtable and talk about each one. And you were on Merrick Garland, the attorney general, and you feel that he could or possibly might be up for impeachment if the... Um, Congress turns Republican turns if he if Merrick Garland would fire Durham, I think he would be subject to impeachment. Yes. Oh, got it. I don't think he would be subject to conviction in the Senate because I'm not sure they're going to get 60 votes. But what is Merrick Garland? You know, let me just say that one of the weirdest things I had an older brother that was a novelist, a very good novelist now now it's and 42 years ago, he introduced me to a book called Confederacy of Dunces. And it was written by this guy named um, John Toole, John Kennedy Toole, who I think he committed suicide. He, he, he lived with his mother. And it's kind of an autobiographical uh, story of misfits in the American society. Very brilliant people who can't make it. And they have pathologies, you know. Yeah, uh, And they don't make it, but they're kind of sympathetic. But in their self-destruction, they, uh, they reveal some of the, the, the contradictions in American life. Okay, Confederacy of Dunces. This, I, I'm just using that because this cabinet is a cabinetcy of dunces. <laughs> it is. If you look at Merrick Garland, this is a man because a teacher's union official concocted the idea that these wonderful parents that were worried about their children's education and the school system in Virginia, and there was a election coming up. He said that these people are threatening. Everybody gets threatened. I get threatened all the time. I don't call the FBI. It happened yeah. five or six times in my life, 10 times probably altogether. I mean, um, if you look at, if you call threats a private email and said, if you ever come to Washington, I'm going to shoot you, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, Okay. So Merrick Garland set up a particular task force and assigned the FBI to investigate parents for questioning whether their kids should be indoctrinated. And there was even suggestions that these FBI undercover were going to school board meetings. That's the guy who's the attorney general right now. He's he's the one that, I guess, went after James O'Keefe. And I guess... The FBI has become a retrieval service for Hunter's laptop and Biden's missing, his daughter's missing diary. Okay, he's the attorney general. Look at the secretary of defense, Lloyd Austin. He's on record that the two existential threats to the U.S. military are climate change and white supremacy. And I guess when you look at the world, North Korea and the Iran deal coming up, and China, vis-a-vis Taiwan, white Russia is doing Ukraine. We're all worried right now about climate change and white supremacy. That's what he said. He also said something that I think was really, really stupid and dangerous. Austin said the other day that the purpose of our efforts with Ukraine is to make is to weaken Russia to the extent it can never do something like this in Ukraine again. Okay, we all want them to get out of Ukraine. They're committing war crimes. Let's get let's have them defeated. But you do not say publicly that the purpose of the United States in Ukraine is a proxy war to weaken a nuclear power 
because we're getting into a situation and uh, we had a very spirited discussion about this on the Hoover web uh, podcast, Goodfellows, where I think uh, our colleagues split 50-50, John Cochran, the eminent economist and HR McMaster, the illustrious general and former national security advisor, vis-a-vis Neil Ferguson, historian myself. And our point was that to win as the, we are defining win and as Lloyd Austin defines win, it means getting them all out, out of Russian speaking majority areas. Okay, fine. But they are going beyond that. They are now having commando raids going into Russia. Fine. That, that those are staging areas. Those are fuel depots. And they want to stop the supply of Crimea and they want to open the supply to uh, Ukrainian held Odessa for the betterment of mankind to get food out fine. But they're talking about they being our American strategists. They're talking about sinking the, the Russian Black Fleet with harpoon missiles that we're going to give the Ukrainians 75 to 100 miles. So these ships leave their Russian ports, they blow up. That's an attack on a nuclear power. And so when Lloyd Austin brags about the stuff we're doing and he says openly that sort of thing, believe me, we don't know what the Russian people think right now. My suspicion is as they get up to 20,000 dead and one third of the army destroyed and they see that the world hates them and that their oligarchs are broke, are going to be broke pretty soon, they're going to be very angry with Vladimir Putin. But you go into Mother Russia and you start running raids and you start sinking Russian ships away from the coast of Ukraine, you're going to see a huge change. Uh, and so that's what Lloyd Austin, he's our secretary of defense. I don't even get one in to get into Jake Sullivan. He's our national security advisor, except we brought up the Durham investigation. He was the guy who had all of the points. He was tweeting. He was her campaign advisor. <laughs> So Jake Sullivan was tweeting out to the American people, hey, there's a new story out that Donald Trump is communicating with a back channel in his tower with Russians. Well, he, Mr. Sullivan, you basically called a contender for the president of the other party a Russian puppet or agent or was committing treason. And you did it on no evidence. And that's the good interpretation. The bad interpretation is you knowingly knew as a close associate of Hillary Clinton, that she was paying for this. Mm-hmm. And he is now the national security advisor. And we mm-hmm. go to Buttigieg. So I flew over to LA right before, you know, I, I got a little ill and I went over there. And you know what? It's now, it was early April, mid April. Those container ships are still stacked out there to the horizon. And the port of Los Angeles, you know, I think it four or five. 100,000 people in ships and trucks uh, are, are employed by them. They got, I don't know, 7,000 acres. It's huge. It looks like a, you took a domino board and turned it upside down from the air. And where was Pete Buttigieg during this whole time in January? He was home with his husband on a two-month maternity leave while they were having Old West-style train robberies. <laughs> along the tracks leading into the port and places. <laughs> and no, why did he say, I'm Department of Transportation, that's a federal offense. I'm getting Merrick Garland. I'm going to go there and visit those train robberies. And you are inter- interrupting interstate commerce. That's a federal crime. We're going to get special investigators. We're going to overrule Mr. Gascon. Why Can I he- answer that question? Yeah, while he was home with Would his they- husband watching his two children, babies. I understand. They can't. Well, that and they can't use the police. They, the, the, it's the left wing. There's no. That's not an option. So I, they don't have anything they can do. I guess they couldn't get a fit FBI to rank to line up the gang leaders who were organizing those that looting and theft. What yeah. was the saddest thing in my life was I not my life, but this year I saw all of those uh, those little um, COVID nineteen test kits. Yeah, and they were all there on the ground. People had ordered them, and they're never—they never got them. Yeah, there were probably medicines. There was everything there. Nobody cares. It's a destruction of civilization. This guy is home, yep. and he doesn't do anything. He hasn't built. He hasn't done anything. But it's, say, it's you know that I'm Pete Buttigieg, and I was mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and I the Notre Dame town, and I was sanctimonious and snarky, and and. I'm gay and you got to like me. 
because I went to Afghanistan. So that's what he's, that is our Secretary of Transportation. Look at our stand, Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm. Remember they, were, they asked her in a Bloomberg interview? Well, you know, as gas gets up in California to $6 a gallon, what are you and as energy? <laughs> that's hilarious. I don't run the oil companies. Oh, you don't? You just tell them, you just tell private financiers on Wall Street not to lend to frackers or you make it difficult to put out lines of credit for horizontal drillers or you shut down Anwar or you cancel Keystone or you say no more federal. Then we had this Deborah, Deb, I think they called it, Holland, the Secretary of the Interior. Did you yeah. see her the other day when she was basically saying that we have the five-year plan where all the leases and Manchin, a Democrat, was, you know, interrogating her with Josh Hawley. And they said, well, when, <laughs> where's the plan? You know, it's $5 a gallon. That's $7 for diesel. Where is the plan? We got all this oil and gas. We're working on it. We're, you know, don't. You know, it reminds me, there were 12 of our kids on this farm. And when they got together, the first cousins, I mean, it was <laughs> holy terror. And every once in a while, an adult would take them somewhere and they would get out on the lake and get in their little canoes or something. It would be time to go. And so the parent who was put in charge of discipline and bring them all back home in the, the fruit van, they would say, okay, Billy, or okay, Benny, or whoever the one, it's time to go. And they'd say, can't hear you. Can't hear you. <laughs> they were like 20 feet offshore and you couldn't get them. We're, yeah. we're trying to hear you. Well, that's what she was doing. Yeah, we're going to do it. And while she was doing this, her aides were frantically sliding her notes, talking points of what to say. So she was looking down her note. Oh, okay. I'm supposed to say this. It was the most pathetic exhibition I've ever seen. It, it was just, it was pathetic. And so my it, point it's is. It's because that, though they're the, they're, they are the party of lack of security and false therapeutics. I mean, that's all they do. It's, it's crazy. But go ahead. Sorry, Victor. I mean, no, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's absolutely right. And so my point is, I, I don't have time. We don't have time to go through all of these people. But they, what, what we're seeing is the ideologues that are, everybody says this. Who in the hell is running the country? It can't be Joe Biden. And then there's a big national debate. Well, maybe it's Jill, Jill, Dr. Jill. Well, Dr. Jill doesn't know any more than Joe Biden. So if it is Dr. Jill, she's just a conduit. Well, then who is on the other end of the conduit? Is it the squad? Maybe. Is it Nancy Pelosi? Sort of, kind of, maybe. Is it Elizabeth Warren's group? Probably. Bernie Sanders, likely. And the Obamas hovering around saying, you know what, we sold out or we compromised. We didn't, we weren't the great revolutionaries that we, but we're going to do it under Biden's auspices. So that's what the debate is about who's running the country. The second debate is, is he crazy? Is he just mean? Or is he, are they so crazy and mean that they think this is success? I wrote a column about that last week that, we think the border's a mess. They think, wow, we got two million in. We're going to go for four. That's what we want. We don't <laughs> care about COVID. We want everybody to come in out without vaccinations, without uh, tests, no background on it. Ha ha, they're, they're left, the right will go crazy. They'll start talking about the great replacement theory, the one that we created by calling, you know, the great demographic shift, the new democratic majority, demography is destiny. They were the replacement theorists. But maybe that's why. Or crime, they'll think, wow, crime? Crime's a construct, doesn't represent any natural law. A bunch of wealthy, white, Christian, heterosexual males dreamed up this idea that it's a crime to go steal a Snickers bar or take a, you know, some toothpaste. They don't ever do it, so why do they care? But all the people who need to, then it's a crime. It's a construct. And the same thing with the pipeline, Keystone XL. You know, hey, we've canceled that and we got rid of Anwar and Stephen Chu would be so happy. He may be in his 70s, but his dream in 2008 as the designate energy secretary is coming true. We're getting close to Europe. Um, <laughs> price of gas. We'll beat him yet. 
And <laughs> Afghanistan, that was the greatest pullout we've ever had. It did so much better than the 75 helicopters on the roof. We just left those allies. We let we just took off. That maybe that's how they look at it. That I think that is how they look at I it. I do too. I, I think they think they're doing great. Yeah. And in fact, they talk about how great they're doing. They and do. Remember inflation? Oh, it's transitory. Oh, it's no big deal. It's a bunch of wealthy people and their exercise machine. What they're basically saying is they like inflation because it erodes the value of people wealth. If you yeah. have $100 in the bank at the end of the year, it's going to be worth $92. If you have nothing and you have low interest, then you are going to be in a better position. You're going to get cheaper loans until the whole blank blank hits the fan and you have to correct it for hyper. But they don't even want to do that. No. Interest no. rates to correct this locomotive that's going off the tracks of inflation, it should be about 7 or 8% right now. Yep. It's not nearly enough. So they're going to drag it out and drag it out and because they're scared to death of causing a recession before the midterm. And they're most likely going to make the correction a lot worse. than They are. By been. waiting, they're going to make it a lot worse. So there's a debate about who's running the country. And there's a debate whether Biden is crazy and he just doesn't know what's going on or he does know, but they're incompetent or he, they all know what's going on and they'd like it. And I think that's the latter. But the third debate is, when you have all this ideology and crazy stuff, how do you translate it into policy at the ground level? You do it with cabinet selections. They take, the, they take over the bureaucracies and they start doing these executive orders and fiats. And that's the Pete Buttigiegs and the Lloyd Austins and the Jake Sullivans and the Jennifer Granholm and the Deb Hollands and the Pete Buttigiegs. And they are utter incompetent. And they can't open their mouth, they being uh, the Biden administration people, without saying something that has nothing to do with whether the person is going to be qualified, could be, maybe, um, except their race, class, and gender. So Pete Buttigieg, we've been told, not that he had vast experience in transportation issues, no, that he was our first gay um, transportation secretary. What's her name? The new um, White House secretary, Karen, 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 Jean Pierre, Jean Pierre, yeah, yeah, Jean Pierre. Yes. What do we hear about her? We heard that she is the first black woman, gay, first black gay woman. Not that she is a complete disinformationist and has a whole record of crazy tweets about. Donald Trump didn't win the election. All of this stuff, the denialist. And all we heard about was her race, class, and gender. Race and gender. And the same thing with Lloyd Austin. And the same thing, Jen Psaki. No one ever says that this particular person brings wealth of experience. They all say that they got this degree or they got, who cares about where they get a PhD if they do have a PhD or a JD or anything. We want to know what they've done. Did they yeah. create a company? Did they reform an institution? No, they're all par partisans. And they, they, they start talking about, identity politics so yeah if you google i'm just saying this off if you do google uh deb holland the interior secretary yeah. you wouldn't find anything what about i just said about her pathetic testimony you would hear again and again she's the first native american interior secretary jennifer <laughs> same thing with jennifer she's a female department of energy secretary yeah and it's really weird and it, yeah. it just completely it doesn't mean that people who are picked for identity politics purposes are necessarily not as qualified it's just that these bunch that they get also have the added requirement that they have to be hardcore ideologues on the left yeah and so We've got a, a cabinetcy of dunces right now, and it's, it's, gonna, it's dangerous. It is very dangerous. Victor, let's take a second for some messages and come right back to talk about what you just touched on, which was the good news angle of the Democratic Party and our Democratic leadership. We'll be right back. Okay, it's time to commit. 
2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Well, everybody, Victor was talking, and he went right on to my last topic here, which is that the way that the Democratic Party presents their their administration's news is that all these things are great. Inflation's not so bad. Afghanistan, a little bit of a foible, but not too bad. Uh, The immigration, just forget about it. Not not a big deal. Baby formula. I just remember baby Baby formula. It's no big deal because didn't Bette Midler say, well, just go breastfeed. That's what you should do. Just go breastfeed. Well, maybe exactly. kids are allergic to any type of, they have to have a special formula. Yeah. Well, the Democrats are so in fantasy land that, of course, they would say something that stupid. Yeah. Right? Maybe men, and <laughs> if men can get pregnant, maybe they should breastfeed too. Okay. So my question, well, I, I, I came across this quote from Social Nietzsche, where the guy was talking about this Dis, well, we can call it disinformation if you'd like to, because it really is this idea that oh, all things are just so great in the economy right now. He goes, social needs and put it right, put it straight when he said, we know they are, quote, we know they are lying. They know they are lying. They know we know they are lying. We know they know we know they are lying, but they are still lying. <laughs> and I was wondering it. So I thought, yeah, so what is the pathology here? Are these liberals, quote unquote, liberals, really just communists and fascists? Or are they just desperate and have this really various- poor leadership? 80% is- of the people have no ideology. So they just want to be on a winning team. So when the Obamas came in, they did certain things. They did something, that, things that we'd never heard of, and they've never been properly held accountable. They created this word diversity where they said anybody who's not white, forget about how wealthy. It can be LeBron. It can be an Indian immigrant. It can be a techie from Punjab. It can be an orthodontist from Korea. They have claims against the majority. They're diverse, 30% of the population. And that's when all this... and they, you know, Trayvon was like the son I never had and were exceptional only to the degree of Greeks. They said things that were just crazy. The apology to, okay. So that was the new frontier and people thought that's the future. And when you add all of the rise of globalism and the enrichment of the two coasts, most people thought, you know what? The corporations are kind of cool now and Wall Street guys, I know they're making a lot of money, but they're kind of hipsters. They give to clean energy and Look at Mark Zuckerberg, he's skateboarding in his tie-dye t-shirt, and wow, and Jack Dorsey doesn't have a ring in his nose, and they have flip-floppers, and that was, the, that was the whole mood of the country. And so most people wanted to be on the winning team where the money was, and the globalization and tech was where the money and the hipsters were. So that explains the rise of a lot of these people. But the hardcore ideologues, these are people in the media who were trained by academics. Academics, it's not, it's not, this isn't being led by the Longshores Union. It's not being led even by the SEIU. It's not being led by the United Coal Workers. These, those guys are gone. This is a top-down, elite, academic. These are professors of environmental science, professors of literature, professor of political science at the top schools that are writing this stuff about let's get rid of the two senators in each state 
Let's get rid of the filibuster. Let's get in Puerto Rico. Let's get 3,000 people in the house. These are revolutionaries, and they're very angry at this country that has enriched them. They're the wealthiest generation in the history of civilization. They're the most leisure. They're the most privileged. So it's very hard to be an angry revolutionary for them. So they start to look at oppression. And there's too many uh, oppressed for the number of oppressors. So they take, what, 0.2% of the population that's transgendered or what we used to call transsexuals, or maybe some are even transvestites. And they make this a majority issue that, you know, we're going to all, this is a horrible country unless men that transition uh, can swim in women's sports. That's the new cause celeb. Or, you know, nine, an abortion in month eight or nine, that is a, that's a human rights issue to die on. So that's what they're, they're looking for things in this fat land of plenty. And they're looking for the underprivileged and they keep redefining the underprivileged and they're all wealthy and they are all privileged and they feel so rotten about it. They feel really rotten, but they're for affirmative action. But when Johnny doesn't get into Princeton, they make a phone call to so-and-so who knows the Dean to get him in. And when they think those walls just are just terrible, they've got a nice Nancy Pelosi wall around Napa. What does she have one around her home for? Really think about it. If she doesn't want one around her own country, why would she want one around her own home? Wouldn't she want people to come by and say, you know what? I was out working in the fields. I'm tired. I mean, I didn't, I built one finding myself, but in the old days I would have open and I still do. I mean, I had some Hispanic guys that were a couple of three or four years ago, they were riding horses at night and they just pulled in and said, senor, it's, we got trapped. It was the wrong time of night and we got our horses. They were all decked out with sombreros and rodeo costumes. And I said, just tie those horses up right over there and, there's some good grass and let them munch and sit down and have a good time. So she can't do that. Mm -hmm. And they want, they hate teachers. They hate any teachers who go into charter schools. They do not like uh, school choice and yet their kids and, and they're all for teachers unions and public schools and their kids are all in private school, all of them. Yeah. And, and so what you're is. trying you to remember yeah. that they're yeah. hypocrites. And yeah. never, never, never subject to any downside from their loud ideology. And no, and thing they, they don't care. I get that. Do you really think that Pete Buttigieg cares about people can't get formula and they can't get it into the port of Los Angeles? No. Do you really yeah. think Jennifer Granholm is upset that a guy over here in Sanger, he's got about a 20-year-old diesel ram and he's getting about 15, you know, Three miles, three quarter, yeah, 15 miles a gallon, three quarter ton truck, and it's full of all of his paint equipment. You think he can afford seven dollars? I just filled up today, it was six, six, six sixty for diesel, went down a little bit. So, you think he she didn't care, not no what her lifestyle is she doesn't care. You think Jake Sullivan cares that he concocted a whole myth, helped to concoct it, and it really hurt the country? He doesn't care. He doesn't care. No, about. I, I, and I think he that to Raytheon. I, he was Raytheon lobbyist. And then he went into the defense secretary. Where, where will he go after he's secretary of defense? He'll go back to Raytheon. Yeah. He cares about I, I don't think they care. And I, I think, though, that the lying is going to cut into their constituency, because I think that their constituency is, as you've just said, ideologues, and then the entitled uh, people who are getting money from them through entitlements. But there's a big third of their constituency that's going to get really sick of being lied to like they are, and they're going to, they're seeing it. I think we no see that in things like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I think we see that in um, Elon Musk, who used to be left wing and he's yes. now on top of everything, or, you know, a, a whole host of other people that are Jeff just starting Bezos to yeah. starts arguing on Twitter with his own newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then you've got Netflix that hired the Obamas to be creative consultants and they poured out all that trash and they lost what 200,000 subscribers. And yeah. they said, and then we have Bill Maher who egged on all of this. And all of a sudden he thought, Oh my God, 
this is a Medusa and yeah. I cut its head off every night and flip or, you know, Disney, you think Disney really likes the, uh, what it's going to happen to it. So. It, yeah. I, I think that the lying is the thing that's really going to win. I think it's the, the existential. I think it's one thing to yeah. humiliate the country in Afghanistan. I think it's another to, uh, do critical race theory. I think it's another to turn Chicago into tombstone and Seattle and Denver into a wasteland downtown. But it's, it's quite a different thing when a mother with an allergic child cannot get formula or a very hardworking guy who's a independent contractor cannot afford to fill up his pickup to go to work or a guy that drives 18 hours on that road in a diesel semi can't make any money. He's going to have to park that or somebody in the inner city can't walk across the street to a park without being shot. Or So the stuff of life, the existential question, can you get up every morning and find food to eat? Can you find fuel to move? Will you be safe? in your neighborhood, and is your country safe, whether it's on the southern border or vis-a-vis China? And the answer is no, no, no. And people are saying this isn't America. America. And the last question is, are you going to continue to believe these liars, these lying people? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Well, the first uh, the first shoe to fall is going to be the Mexican-American community because yeah. they have been nurtured with the Democratic in a very patronizing fashion. You owe us. You owe us. We opened the border. We gave you all these entitlements. You owe us. And these are usually young Latinos uh, who are in academia or in the media, but they're not the majority. And I think a lot of Mexican-Americans, I don't know anybody. I work get up every day and I work hard. And who I am or what I look like is determined by my character. And I can't work under the conditions that you forced me to work on. And I can't buy a house and I can't pay rent. And I can't take my family and drive 30 miles to a movie. You did that. I didn't do that. And I'm not going to vote for you anymore. And we'll see how smart the Republicans are. If they go back to, I'm Mitt Romney and I can never reach 47% of the country because they're on the dole or... Uh, you know, I'm Bain Capital, or they make fun of John McCain because he can't remember his 11 houses or whatever, and he doesn't fight back. Uh, he doesn't fight back at all. Or he gets a Steve Schmidt or a guy like that as advisors, or then we're not going to, it's not going to work. But if you get a fighter yeah. and a person who is a, a person of the people, doesn't mean he can't be educated, he can't be degreed, but a person who feels comfortable with himself and with his own. Malou, and he, I keep saying this anecdote. I know people are sick of it, but I talked to two or three people. I never, I didn't particularly like Trump. I didn't support him in the primaries. I thought he was cruel, but I, I was intrigued by his, you know, our farmers, our soldiers, that empathy for the, the losers that nobody had expressed. And I asked him, some, some very well-known, successful people. And one person said something I'll never forget. He said, you know, I looked out of a building once and I saw him pull over. Nobody knew he was watching. And he had a black suit and black. And he walked in the filthy dirt to talk to a bunch of cement workers. And they all clapped. Why would he do that? Maybe it's, I don't know. But he did yeah. feel comfortable with people uh, of the middle classes. Look at his diet. And <laughs> <laughs> you mean those? You mean those McDonald's of, hamburgers and ice cream? Well, Obama was bragging. I remember about we're worried about the price of arugula, which <laughs> I like. I like arugula, but you know, and so that's what I'm getting at. That if yeah. the Republicans can have a populist, nationalist, inclusive party and make class one of the the unifying points, and not race and not wealth and not just capital gains. I'm for reducing the capital gains. I really think deregulation would unleash a lot of primordial energy. I'm for that. But they have to talk about, we're going to create a climate where you can get a good job, you can, get, you can buy a house, you can, and we're going to allow people to build homes. We're going to allow people to develop gas. We're yeah. going to allow people to mine and cut wood. And that... And we need you people to help us. And that's yeah. what 
I hope follows from this. Yeah, it's coming. I think that we'll get back to a state like that, Victor. Well, we're going to call it a day here. Thank you very much for all your wisdom on the domestic world and the cabinet in particular, which was an interesting roundtable, if I can call it that. Um, but thank you very much, Victor. Thank you. And thank everybody for listening. I appreciate it every day. I'm always when I travel, people come up and say they listen to the podcast. I'm just astounded because, you know, I'm up in this old house in this upstairs bedroom thinking that maybe there's six people somewhere that are listening. And the fact that there's more than that is uh, it makes me have a lot of gratitude for all of you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thank you. This is Sammy Wink and Victor Davis Hanson, and we're signing off. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.